You're listening to What the History, a podcast where two nerds talk about some awesome, crazy, random stuff you probably don't remember learning about, but you're going to now. Hey, nerds. Welcome back to another episode of What the History. This is Casey and Sarah, and we are really excited, yeah, to talk about another really awful thing that's happened in history. (laughs) Instead of in real time. Instead of in real time, yeah, because, you know, there are horrible things happening pretty much all the time, but this one's like a really, really old, horrible thing. Yeah. (laughs) So today, Sarah is going to be walking us through the disaster at Pompeii, and I didn't really know what we were going to call it until I just said that. (laughs) Yeah, I I kept saying Pompeii, but I was like, well, it's not, it's the eruption of Mount Vesuvius is like the actual event, but I feel like people know Pompeii. Yeah. So I figured like disaster at Pompeii or Yeah, I like it. We might even change that. Yeah, but then it's like is it like Chernobyl? No. Mm. The destruction of Pompeii? <laughs> Pompeii go boom. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. That's, That's what it's called. It's going to be the official title of this episode. <laughs> yep. So yeah, so Sarah's going to walk us through what happened that day which was like a really crazy set of um just I mean everything that can go wrong does go wrong once again and I have some fun and weird and disgusting facts and we're just gonna get right into it so Sarah take it away so I'm actually gonna start briefly with the history of Mount Vesuvius um because it goes back a little farther than what we know of Pompeii so Mount Vesuvius began forming over 25,000 years ago and I was like, I have literally no conception of what that means. So I Googled what was 25,000 years ago. And that's basically <laughs> when the the oldest human settlement was found. So it's like wow. as far back as we know humans existed. It began forming like a little bit then. And then over time, as there was more lava flows and small eruptions, it sort of changed in form. And so it began to change to like a different kind of eruption, which is the kind that is now called Plinian, but we'll get to that. But the kind of eruption it has now. So the first time we know it erupted in that form was called the basal pumice eruption. And it was 18,300 years ago, which was during the Ice Age. So it erupted during the Ice Age. Yes. Basil pumice? Basil pumice. That sounds like like a variation of like basil hummus. Like <laughs> Yeah, true. It feels like something I can buy at Lush, like a basil pumice yes. stone. See, I thought like food. I was like, mm, you know what? I'm going to need to pick up some basil pumice today. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's my go-to. Fair. Fair. <laughs> um, and that's so your name. Where'd they get the name? Sorry, I'm interrupting. No, I don't know. No, it's fine. Um, Maybe it was the people who like realize that it erupted then yeah i assume it because ha- a lot of them when i was looking at like the list of na- like eruptions they just had weird names that i don't know if they were named after like people or um right or i mean pumice is one of the materials that comes out oh of so, okay. it, right like pumice is something that that happens with it um okay it's also not spelled basil with an i it's with an a which i'm sure oh okay and it it auto-corrected in my notes um so it's like basil yeah so i think it might just be that there was like pumice at the base got it oh okay that sounds like it that sounds like what it is yeah that's probably it we're gonna go with that so that was like the first time that it was erupted it it erupted in the way that we know it to now um and between that 
Ice Age time and 79 BC, which is where we'll be talking about this eruption, there was about six major eruptions that we know of in that thousands and thousands of years. And before 79 BC, it had been almost 300 years before anything really happened. And so there's, there's records of that time. There's like drawings and notes that talk about it being very covered in vines and almost like hidden because it hadn't erupted in so long that it was just kind of sitting there. And that's actually something I read too. I think I had that as like one of my fun facts, which was like, they didn't know it was a volcano. (laughs) They just were like, it's a beautiful large mountain. Right. And so when we get into Pompeii, so the early eruptions of Mount Vesuvius change the landscape around them, right? It's basically Mm -hmm. forming Earth. And so one of the early eruptions created a plateau. And that plateau is basically where Pompeii was built. Okay. And so it's built on this like formation from Mount Vesuvius. So they're already tied together. And then Pompeii was an ancient city built on that plateau. Um, It's near what is now known as like Naples in Italy, in Mm -hmm. that area. Um, But it wasn't that then. Um, the name Pompeii, so they believe it comes from an Osin, Oskin, Osin, which seems to be like a people of central Italy, um, okay. a word for five. And so they don't oh. really know what it refers to. That It may be that it was made up of five hamlets initially, so like kind of five little areas made up Pompeii. Oh, um, yeah. They think it could have been settled by either a family of five or five families. Huh. Or something like that. Um, so no one really knows why it's called Pompeii, but it has something to do with this word five. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. And so the first known settlements were in the 8th century BC. So like 800 BC. And it was founded by those people of central Italy, the Ossins or Oscans. And they did found five initial villages. And in the next hundred years or so, Greeks began settling nearby and kind of using the area as a safe port. So we'll talk about it was a port town. Mm-hmm. And so they start getting yeah. Greek people settling nearby. And by the 6th century BC, the settlements merged into one large community and they were all surrounded by like a city wall. Okay. Also as a note, because I know this, but it always confuses me. When you're talking about BC, the years go backwards. Right, like 800 right. was before 600 because you're counting yes. down to C. Mm-hmm. And yep, just I know that, but I also get confused by it. Yeah, so, so when we say 79 AD, it was like the 79th year of the current like year set that we're in. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it counts, it's like a countdown. So, right. Mm-hmm. They build this big wall in the 6th century, and the wall is kind of thought to indicate that the area was considered pretty wealthy and important. Mm-hmm. Um, they did pretty well with, like, maritime trade, because at this time, I mean, there wasn't any other way to get things besides, like, using a boat. Right. Um, and so they seem to have been pretty well off. And then in the 500 BCs, a group called the Etruscans, sure, they settled, <sighs> and they were technically, like, in charge of this area they had something called the etruscan league of cities so basically like a little mini union of cities including pompeii but pompeii was pretty independent so they got a lot of autonomy to kind of do their thing and Mm -hmm. under the etruscans the wall got strengthened so it got kind of built up as protection and everybody was doing great 
And then in 474 BC, a Greek city of Cumae beat the Etruscans in a war. And so they won control of Pompeii. And literally did. Yes. This entire okay. history of Pompeii is just like it changing hands. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, now it's the Etruscans. Now it's the Greeks. But then someone called the Samnites eventually conquered the Greeks and they mm-hmm. take rule of the area. And they kind of impose their architecture and enlarge the town. So they basically like Romified the area yep. and made it very what we would think of as Italian now. They also yeah. ex- expanded it. So they made it a little bit more open and got rid of some of the walls, started building it out. Um, and this is true throughout the Second Punic War, which I don't know, apparently was a war. Uh, <laughs> I didn't get that far the into Punic it. Punic War. <laughs> yes, sure. Um, but Pompeii is like very loyal to Rome at the time. And so even though there's a war, they continue to really do well. So they kind of take part in Rome's conquests and live off of that. So they're doing well. Um, But they eventually kind of flip over time and they end up rebelling against Rome as a city years later. Mm. Um, But they don't win that. They surrender and they end up a Roman colony anyway. So this whole kind of like Romification, we're on Rome's side, we're not. They end up basically completely assimilating to Roman culture. Right. Uh, And at that point, like, many of the old aristocratic families that lived in the Pompeii area changed their names to, like, more Latin-sounding last names Mm -hmm. to kind of fit in with the culture. And with that, the city became an even more important port city. It had, like, a lot of public buildings built in. A lot of arts were centered there. And so once they surrendered to Rome, they were kind of like, well, I guess we're, I guess we're doing this. And, like... Everyone was like, hey, we're Latin. We have Latin names now and we're like a big fancy city. Yeah, I feel like I saw a lot of like people uh, really committed to the Roman culture. Like, yeah. And a lot of their like traditions and a lot of their just structure was very much like, all right, well, if we're going to, it's literally, if you can't beat them, join them. Exactly. It was like what you were saying with they really assimilated to just really adapt the like beliefs and the architecture and like culture and behaviors and stuff like that yeah yeah and they wanted to maintain they were like a well-off city they had all this public building going on they were like well respected so they wanted to maintain that right exactly and so through all this time like all of the the bc time and then up through like 62 ad so that's just the year 62 um (laughs) it's still so weird i know (laughs) So there'd always been a lot of earthquakes and tremors in the area. It was just mm-hmm. something everybody was kind of used to. And I don't, they didn't really know what was going on. They were just like, yeah, it all shakes sometimes. It's fine. Um, yeah. But in 62 AD, there was like what's thought to be one of the most severe ones up until that point. So mm-hmm. now they say it was probably like a five to six on the Richter scale. Wow. So there was like a pretty bad earthquake at that time. And... I never found anything that came of this information, but literally it's just like, so that day, February 5th, 62, there were supposed to be two sacrifices that day. One, because it was the anniversary of August being named father of the nation. Mm -hmm. And then also it was, it was um, a day to honor (laughs) guardian spirits, obviously. Okay. I can fuck with that. Yeah. So they were like trying to do their sacrifices, but there's this giant earthquake like they've never had before. And so it's, chaotic obviously and then in addition to like all the normal earthquake stuff at the time they're using oil lamps 
and all the oil lamps fell over and so it caused like a ton of fires so a lot of the city burned down at that point jesus and there's basically a long period of rebuilding it but what's interesting of course right when they start (laughs) rebuilding it there's like a bigger focus on private buildings instead of all this like public good that had been built up so more people are building like large homes and homes okay churches and businesses and things like that as opposed to like a public art house and that kind of thing okay gotcha from what we can tell now the city had been like fully restored before the 79 eruption there's Mm -hmm. there's sort of some like debate on that but what it seems like is they had restored things but they were continuing to build so there was a lot of unfinished stuff there by 79 but it was the newer things it wasn't rebuilding from the disaster before okay gotcha and i'm getting a lot of like bob's burgers vibes do you watch that show i have a little bit yes (laughs) so like every time they try to reopen, like something else happens to the store, Exa- yes. and it just has to shut down again. That's basically what's That's happened. What Someone getting. else gives in charge, or there's another earthquake. Right, right. But they do start building like modern things. So they build their first central bath and use a, a lot more modern architecture. Okay. And so even though there's this terrible disaster, the city is still doing really well. It's like mm-hmm. li- it's living its best life. Like Nero and his <laughs> wife thriving. show up. Like, they show up to visit. The equivalent of famous people are coming to visit. They're doing good. Yeah. This was actually a big vacation spot for a lot of Roman senators I saw. Yeah, Like, they had homes in this general region, which I thought was pretty cool. It is, yeah. And so by the time we get to 79 AD, the population of Pompeii is about 20,000 people. Okay. And that year... There was a series of small earthquakes that started becoming kind of more frequent over time. But again, this was something they were used to. It was just kind of like, oh, yeah, it shakes a little bit. And they were kind of scared because that one had been really big. But that was right. the worst thing they had seen. Right. And they had gotten through that. That has to be so terrifying. Because right. like, at least today we have like science to be like, well, at least we know what's happening. Like we're on a tectonic plate and like right. fault lines and shit like that i'm not gonna know. explain it's further because those are the only vocab words i understand it seems kind of freeing that they're just like i don't know god's mad at us I, you know i i totally agree with you though like i could see how it's like well it's just something that happens yeah, you know what i mean just, yeah there know. was an earthquake in new jersey a few weeks ago really yeah, I have a community Facebook group, which is like so stupid. It's such like it's such like white people bullshit. Right, <laughs> so we right. have this like neighborhood um like Facebook group, and it's actually super helpful because like if people are getting rid of stuff or they're like, hey, we're looking for a landscaper or whatever. I don't know. Yeah, it's like next so, door but Facebook. Exactly, and everyone's super friendly, and they're actually like a beautiful community. Like I couldn't imagine living anywhere else. This place is great, but yeah. I was I like woke up and I'm up super early because of school now and I was like checking Facebook because that's what I do to wake myself up because <laughs> impending doom is going to be like immediate yeah um and somebody was like anybody feel that earthquake this morning and I was like what earthquake like I it was apparently <laughs> at like 2 a.m and other people felt it too but like I mean I was passed out like I didn't feel and like the the world could have ended and I would have woken up and been like rip van winkle like oh yeah. shit what the fuck happened here but like Yeah, apparently other people near where my mom lives felt it. And it was like, I want to say it was like a two or three on the scale. But like still in New Jersey, like what the hell is this? 
I mean, I definitely, because I grew up in South Florida and I've definitely slept through multiple hurricanes where I just woke up yeah. and I was like, oh, did the hurricane pass? Okay. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. Cool. They <laughs> <get> started. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Um, so once we get to the eruption of Mount Vesuvius, so it happened in 79 AD, but we actually don't know the exact date that it happened. Mm-hmm. There's like a bunch of debate about this. So originally, yeah, I saw that too. like for a long time, it was believed to be in August. But then there's some letters from nearby people that show dates like November 23rd. And then right. some that say like October 17th. Oh, and- damn. Honestly, how did these people know what day it was? Like, they well, probably, I literally like, was thinking when you said the other, when you said earlier it was like February 2nd, yeah. I was like, what does that even mean? Right. Like, how do you know? I only know how if I check my you phone. How that out? Yes. That's, uh, it's astounding how other, like, civilizations lived. Yeah. Or how, it, like, scientists or archaeologists can, like, be like, well, let's take a look and, like, date it back to, like, right. an almanac of, like, oh, it rained on this day, so it must have been here, like, Right. It's like, Good how do you know it was 79 and not 78? What's the difference? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. Uh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but it does, most of the evidence now does seem to suggest the November, October dates were more okay. accurate. So things like people were wearing heavier clothes than they would have in the summer. Okay. Um, And this was interesting. The produce was more seasonal. So like the produce that they saw that was like frozen in time were things that you would have grown in October, November. Um, Oh my God. So it was like pumpkin spice season. And the things that were more summery were like, there was very little of it or it wasn't good anymore. That type of thing. Nobody wears like white after Labor Day. So they're like, well, it must have been. (laughs) Well, then sort of the linchpin on it is they found coins that had been minted in September of that year. So it couldn't have been before September. Ooh, I like that. Okay. okay. Yeah. So we still don't know the exact date, but the August one seems unlikely. So it was probably October to November. Cool. Okay. I like October. October is my favorite month. Fair. So So it was was October. I stand October. (laughs) Fine. That's fine. December is my favorite, but October is good. You too. heard it. You heard it here first, folks. It officially happened in October of seventy nine AD. Yeah, we have decided. Tell your friends <laughs> to not even close to being professional archaeologists. We just decided. It's just because it's a better month. It's more convenient. Yeah. It's a yeah. It's like spooky month. That's a good time for an eruption. That's what I mean. Yeah, and like these people's deaths were horrifying. So yeah. like, what a great time to make exactly. it October. Perfect. Happy Halloween, everybody. Yep. Um, but that day, whatever day it was, October seventeenth, it started out basically like any other day. So all the markets were open. They were having like political, the equivalent of like town hall gatherings, and there was shows going on. All the normal stuff. And so right. the, the eruption starts that day, but it was actually basically a two-day event. So there was like an 18-hour period of what they called pumice rain. And so that's basically okay. like little tiny stones falling. So like very thin stones falling from oh the sky. Um, and during that time, it seems like a lot of people fled. Um, and I'll, we'll talk about kind of like how many bodies they found versus the population. Yeah, there don't seem to have been the full amount of people there. So they think some people started fleeing and some people did seem to return once the pumice rain stopped that they were kind of like, oh, it's okay," and started to come back. But not everybody did. I saw it was a lot of elite that they were like, "Mm, some shit's about to go down. We can afford to get out of here. Exactly. 
Yeah. Um, but some people were like, okay, it's fine now and went back. And there's sort of what is compared to like the eye of the storm, right? So there's kind of this downtime between that pumice rain. It stops. But then at some point, a few hours later, pyroclastic flows begin. Um, and that's basically the flow of lava. And so mm-hmm. it brings like high speed, dense, hot ash clouds. So just Yes, I have my right. first fun fact. Okay, uh, I'm excited. Okay, so th- this is basically one of the grossest things I've ever read. Yes. And I like love gross shit. So basically, Same. you're going to talk in a second, I know, about like the toxic gases and chunks of like ash that choke people. Yeah. Which is like also a terrible way to die. However... Mm-hmm. Um, in 2018. <laughs> However, oh. I have something even more horrifying. Yeah, that was not long ago. Yeah, no. So in 2018, researchers from Naples basically argued that there was an entire segment of victims who didn't meet their end in the ash or in the gases. It's actually everything that you were just describing. They got caught in the heat of that lava. So. Yeah. It wasn't just about, like, lava hitting their bodies and burning. It was actually worse. So they found 103 skeleton samples from a group of victims that apparently must have been, like, taken, like taking shelter mm-hmm. from the eruption in waterfront chambers um, in Herculaneum, which was the, like, Water- nearby town Yeah, that got hit first. And apparently that obviously did absolutely nothing to help them because the folks were, quote, suddenly engulfed by the abrupt collapse of the rapidly advancing pyroclastic surge. So AKA the fluid mass of rock and gas that gets ejected during volcanic eruptions, like you just said. Mm -hmm. So the mass radiated between 400 and 900 degrees Fahrenheit and descended upon these folks at almost 180 180 miles per hour, which is like bonkers. So by looking at these skeletal samples, I can't even believe this. The researchers determined that excessive temperatures were the actual cause of death because their blood and brains were basically vaporized. I saw something about that, that they were basically like, yeah, it was so hot they died. Yes, it was literally their blood boiled to the point where their brains exploded in their skulls. Uh. And that's how they died because of the heat and the surge of how quickly that pyroclastic like mass came down on them that it was like it wasn't even necessarily the lava touch in their bodies it was straight up just like their brains exploded in their heads that's crazy yeah i read that and i was like oh my god that is disgusting so basically their their body it said that the temperatures were so high and they skyrocketed so quickly that all of their bodily fluids and tissue were vaporized jesus like i don't even know I also had a the lava was so hot. How hot was it? Joke, but I felt like after <laughs> after you know reading that their bodies were vaporized, I was like, you know what? That's actually really crazy. I and actually I just prefer your get Looney Tunes to death line. <laughs> I literally <laughs> did. You see that? Yes. I can't wait to talk about that because that was I laughed way too hard at that because I, I felt like it. a terrible person. But no, oh my god. Um. Yeah, no, I mean, I was reading this and I just thought, like, my first thought was, I mean, that sucks. But then my second thought, (laughs) so callous, my second thought was, how quickly is that? Does that happen? Like, do you feel your blood boiling and then you just explode? Or is it just such like in like a snap? I hope it's instant. Me too. Like, I can't imagine. I have like no will to survive in hard circumstances. 
So I'm like anything, like, just let me go very quickly. That's all I want. Yeah. A hundred percent. I would rather die quickly than like survive something terrible. No, I, I completely understand. My, my mom used to watch the walking dead and I distinctly remember her having a conversation with us where she sat us down and was like, if this ever happened, we would 100% do what they did in like the second episode, which is blow up the CDC and we would just be running into the explosion. And I was like, okay, mom, this is hella dark (laughs) i always say so you know in the hunger games they like start out and they all have to stand on like a little circle and if you jump off of it before the game starts you explode yeah that is my hunger Games strategy yeah people like what would you do to win the hunger games i'm like i would jump off my pod and explode before it even started boom done (laughs) Done. thank you for your time (laughs) boom pompeii (laughs) exactly boom (laughs) so that was my gross really super gross fun fact i love it vaporizing bodies that's like some alien shit that really is yeah it's crazy okay all right back at it yeah so we've got the pyroclastic flows and those even if they like aren't what killed people they would have once they got to them um Mm -hmm. they would knock down like any structures in their path they would like they could incinerate or suffocate people and they basically Mm -hmm. would completely decimate like the landscape and the coastline they're just like yep giant clouds of very dense ash that's very hot it's not great Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then in addition to that there's gases these like superheated gases that are estimated to have been up to like 21 miles high that they would reach so they're these huge gas clouds they're spewing molten rock everywhere and it was 100,000 times the thermal energy of hiroshima and nagasaki what hundred thousand did you say a hundred thousand hundred thousand times i just can't fathom watching this right and we'll get to the audience don't worry oh my god okay but so that's sort of like the last phase by the evening of that second day the eruption has ended um there there were some rescues and escapes those people that fled earlier there's a couple things that indicate some people got away But Mm -hmm. once the flows began, if they got to you, there was no one who could be trapped in it and live. The only people that we know of that lived were like someone who got away earlier. And even like some people, they tried to hide in their homes and they actually seemed to be some of the first people to die because the roofs collapsed in on them from the the heat. So really no one was left alive that was at the scene of this. And that includes like the nearby Herculaneum. Like you said, they're also completely fucked. Which did you know about Herculaneum before no. this? No, I didn't either. No, and I, I like this shit. Yeah, and but I had no, and I've been to Pompeii, and I do. I mean, I do not remember them talking about Herculaneum. Yeah, which is also a cool ass name. Sounds like a superhero or like right. something that you inject into your veins to become That's a superhero. What, it sounds like like vibranium, like a made up element yes. for a superhero yes. movie it sounds like this is what they injected captain america with they're like yes. they've given him herculaneum and he's like now exactly super yes mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. now he's a greek god <laughs> yeah so they're also basically like just as fuck yeah and everything yeah, they're closer to it yeah yeah no yeah. one was okay after this and right. they everything was covered in up to 12 layers of tephra which is like the material left over after an eruption that kind of looks like rock um mm-hmm. like there's just a ton of it it was as bad as something could be um like most so, of the things we talk about exactly <laughs> let's so look at the absolute worst case scenario <laughs> yes and so that's sort of 
sort of the end of what happens there. But I want to talk about the Plinies. And oh, yeah. mostly I'm I was interested in this because there's a podcast I listen to called Sawbones. And okay. they do medical history. So it's like a doctor and her husband, and they go through like all the weird shit we used to do. Yeah. And a lot of what they talk about comes from Pliny the Elder because he wrote a book called like Natural History. And it's just okay. the most wild shit, right? It's like, if you have cancer, eat a bumblebee. Like, it's that type of, like, insane. Oh, my God. Makes no sense <laughs> stuff. And, <laughs> and so, like. Is this, like, that meme that's, like. Yes. You've got ghosts in your blood. Do cocaine about it. That one. Yes. It's exactly that. <laughs> like, that is Pliny the Elder as I knew him. Like, only thing I ever knew about him was that he wrote this book called Natural History that okay. was wild. Like, almost nothing in it is real and this podcast like makes fun of him all the time so i was like what the hell does plenty the elder have to do with this and it's called sawbones okay sawbones yes um a marital tour of misguided medicine but (laughs) um but so plenty the elder is alive at this time as well as his nephew plenty the younger which is my favorite because i assumed plenty the elder meant he was like an elder like a church elder Right, like right. it was a title, but I think it was just their way of saying senior and junior. Like he oh, was Pliny so the like Elder. Old Pliny. Yeah, Pliny the Elder and mm. Pliny the Younger. I right? like that. I think yeah. we should start doing that more. Yeah. I like so, if I have a son, I'll name him Eric the Younger. Yeah. Do it. And then Eric <laughs> the Elder. And he won't have any issues growing up. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fine. He'll be totally normal. <laughs> And so they, both Plinies, actually live, like, right across the bay from Pompeii. Okay. And so Pliny the Younger is 17 when this eruption happens. And he has basically the only eyewitness account that we know of. Okay. Um, So he watches it from, like, sitting across the ocean. Holy shit. When they see it start to happen, Pliny the Elder actually launches a rescue fleet because he has a friend who lives over there. And so he, like, gets in a boat to go rescue his friend. While Pliny the Younger stays behind with his mother, who's sort of sick and, like, frail. Mm-hmm. Probably because she ate a bumblebee, so. Right, exactly. <laughs> and he, like, writes all these letters about his experience and what's going on. And so any quotes that we have come from him. Okay. And so there's a couple, right, that he says he saw an extraordinarily dense cloud rising rapidly above the mountain. And that was sort of mm-hmm. their first clue. Mm-hmm. And then he described it as the the appearance of which I cannot give you a more exact description than by likening it to that of a pine tree. For it shot up to a great height in the form of a very tall trunk, which spread itself out at the top into branches. It appeared mm-hmm. sometimes bright and sometimes dark and spotted, according as it was either more or less impregnated with earth and cinder. Oh, so wow. he like watches That's this. And, a really beautiful visual. I can actually right. picture that. Yeah, exactly. So he like writes all that down and then just continues going about his day. Basically, he like studies. He takes a bath. He like does his so thing. He just basically watches a Vesuvius Christmas tree erupt. Yep. They send his uncle. They're like, like, bye. And oh then he God. studies. <laughs> what? I don't even. I mean. Know. I mean, Unless I guess he's like, that's like how he copes. He's like, I can't even fathom what's happening. So I'm going to just do other stuff. I guess. Yeah. But after wow. he goes to sleep that night, a night tremor wakes him up and they continue getting tremors over in this area. Okay. And some of what he wrote about almost makes it sound like they had a tsunami. 
that like the water got to them. But there's no evidence of like water damage where he lived. Right. So like what he's describing sounds like a tsunami, but there's no archaeological evidence that anything happened. Hmm. Um, But they're getting some sort of effects of it. Basically, they're 18 miles away across the water. But whatever erupted like was enough to cause tremors and some issues for them. Actually, I have a theory about what they might have felt. Ooh, really? Yeah. So I have that, like, you talked about this earlier and, like, that it was a port town. Mm -hmm. And maybe what happened was, like, so basically the amount of ash and rock and stuff that falls from Vesuvius causes, I mean, so when I visited Pompeii when I was in college, I didn't know anything really about it. I just knew like some really bad shit happened. Yeah. So um, when we showed up, like one of the first things that the tour guide did was basically like lead us to the outskirts of the city. And mm-hmm. he was like, okay, anybody notice anything? And we we're all like, I mean, to be fair, like most of us had like just been wasted the night before. Cause it was study abroad. So like we were pretty much never sober. Yeah. And um, so, <laughs> so the guy's like, does anyone notice anything strange about these? And like, he was showing us these like posts that had like these like round, like almost like an eye hole. And all okay. of us were like, mm. and one person's like, they look like stuff that you'd like tie a boat or like a horse to. And he's mm-hmm. like, yeah, he's like, so it would be for a boat. And we were all like, what the fuck? Because we were miles from the ocean. Like you couldn't see water anywhere oh. near us. And we were like, so he's like, so Pompeii was a port town, like was a port mm-hmm. city. And that's part of the reason why they didn't even know where to look for it because they thought that it was on the water, but so much had fallen that it created, like you said earlier, like Vesuvius had basically molded the land around it. Right. So maybe what Pliny or Pliny, whatever, P, P the yeah. younger felt um, was like a shift in like the water. Oh, maybe. Do you know what I mean? Like, it was yeah. almost like if you, like, plopped a thing of concrete into, like, a right. puddle. Or at least, like, the beginning of that it. happening. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because if he was across the bay or the ocean or water or whatever, yeah. like, he, there would be some type of impact from that. Huh. That's cool. Yeah. That's I mean, my random theory. Not, like, good, but cool. Yeah. If anyone is a geologist, please e- email us at... Yeah. <laughs> What the history podcast, because I don't know what I'm talking about, but that's my guess. Yes. And so they do actually, over where they are, they suddenly see like a huge black cloud with flashes of light in it. And so Mm -hmm. they're like, oh, well, we're all going to die too. Yeah. And his mother tells him because she's like frail. He's like, you run, you like save yourself. Right. And he he refuses. He grabs her hand and they like move through the thick layers of ash um and they hide somewhere until the sun comes out and it seems safe to go back so they go back and he says that the ash basically looks like a blanket of snow over the whole town so there's like all this ash there Mm. meanwhile Pliny the elder is in command of like a roman fleet and he wants to find this is how i like will die one day is there's like a giant explosion (laughs) and i'm like i need to see what happened let's get over there (laughs) like that will be me (laughs) my friend once told me that i will die um a white woman's death from being nosy oh my god that's incredible yeah because i'm very (laughs) yeah i am like i'm like was that a gunshot should we go see should we go ask (laughs) like no no we should not (laughs) yeah the opposite of what we should do (laughs) exactly 
But in his defense, his friend was there and had, like, sent some sort of, sort of code asking for help. And so he, like, immediately was like, well, we're going to go help. Get was my it a out. smoke signal? <laughs> it doesn't say. Well, <laughs> Sorry. <that's- laughs> no, I just got it. I hate it. Was he, like... I can't even I can't even finish this sentence. I can't. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Everyone just turned this off. They're like, we're done. Bye. I mean, I would say that the whole thing was one giant fucking help us smoke signal. Right. It was God smoke signal. Yeah. Basically. I got a note. Oh, wait, you're probably going to get to it. I don't want to spoil it. I just want to know if Pliny the Elder survived. We'll get there. Okay. So they're traveling across the water and like shit is already bad immediately. But he's, he said fortune favors the brave while they're going across. Like he's, he's ready to go. And so they get there to Pompeii, but they can't leave for whatever reason. The like conditions of the water. Um, are such that they can't actually get out of Pompeii. So that's not a great rescue mission. And then I like this image. They took to the fields with pillows tied over their heads. What? Like, to hide from the ash, I guess, they took pillows that they had on the boat and, like, used those as, like, a shield. Did they just have pillows on the boat? They were like, you know what? It's actually... It's our pillow shipment. Like, I'm like I don't know. If, <laughs> well, presumably, they had like cots on the boat or something. Right, right. So they from that, or they were they, like, everyone bring a pillow. Like, right, <laughs> pillows well, maybe, will not be provided in this rescue mission. Yeah, <laughs> right. Maybe the friend who was fleeing tried to save all his pillows. I don't know. Yeah, he's um, like, guys, but the pillows. <laughs> yeah, and so they like run there, and then they run to the beach, and it's the same problem. They can't leave. They're trapped here. Yeah. And then it sounds like, and I, I was trying to interpret this, it sounds like Pliny the Elder's friends basically, like, all abandoned him. And they were like, we're getting the fuck out of here. And he was like, no, no, we're going to figure it out. Um, and How'd so they get out? It just says they left by land. I don't... I don't so they know. walked? <laughs> yeah, I don't... I couldn't find, like, specific... A lot of it's kind of conjecture. Of like yeah, what yeah. they can piece together. So like they abandoned yeah. him. I don't think most of them lived. Is yeah, what it sounds well, like. Um, you know what? That's what you get for being a deserter, asshole. Exactly. However, <laughs> um, Pliny the Elder then also dies. No. And it's not a hundred percent known why. So like a lot of things say he collapsed and died mm-hmm. because of like the air and the ash and all that. Um, yeah. and like Pliny the Younger said he had weak lungs right but like nobody else was having trouble they all ran away from him there's a theory that he had a slave that was traveling with him kill him to prevent the pain of incineration but if if that's true like the slave wasn't found anywhere and so we don't know how that would have happened and at this point most people think he actually like died of a stroke or a heart attack or an asthma attack or something like that kind of induced by the situation but that he wasn't like incinerated or vaporized like a lot of these people were yeah and so he was found with no like physical injuries right just kind of like collapsed and dead the next day um so he does not make it but so and i was like i didn't know that's how Pliny the elder died because all i know of him is like what they say on this podcast so Um, does Pliny the younger become like Pliny the only like is that is he just now Pliny 
I don't know, because I feel like if you're if you're a junior and the senior dies, you're still Well then it starts being like Pliny the Third. Like Pliny the Younger's True. kid would be Pliny the Way Younger. <laughs> Pliny the Way Younger. Like Pliny Super Junior. Like I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I can't. Oh, like, plenty of the youngest. At a certain point, you run out of adjectives to describe the like the rank of you in yeah. your age. Seventeenth. Right? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but plenty of the younger is important. Basically, like he writes the only detailed descriptions of these eruptions. Right. And so, when modern volcanolo- volcanologists volcanologists yeah. just like this is how they're getting their information and how we know pretty much anything to the point where the type of eruption where it's like a, a tree shape, right? There's like a small smokestack and then it branches out mm-hmm. are called Plinian eruptions. <gasps> That's so cool. So his yeah. name lives on forever. Yes. And like, it comes from him to the extent that we call it a Plinian eruption, or I think they also call it a Vesuvian eruption. But okay. I've seen it referred to as Plinian. Um, and so we have, like, most of the information we do through Pliny the Younger. Hmm. Um, did Pliny the Younger go on to do anything? Like, did he pick up his father's medical career? or I No, his dad was not we a know. medical anything. Uh, I, <laughs> I use that term loosely. Yeah. I mean, he was also, like... I think he was a lawyer and some sort of like magistrate like that. Like the elder was no, the younger he went on to be like to serve like in the military and some sort of version of politics at the time. So he was like an important person in in, like different senses, but he didn't pretend to be a doctor. Okay. Well, you know what? That's good. Yeah. Stop eating bumblebees, everybody. We need them to save the planet. Okay. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I think he was more of a like political person, but he was also known as an author um, because he, he there's like a bunch of letters of his that exist about all sorts of things. Okay. Um, gotcha. And then these are just the ones that are relevant today. Huh. But so that is basically what happened the days of the eruption. Um, and I'm going to to stop there and ping it over to you to tell us what happened after that. Yeah. So, um, you know what, before I even get into after that, I think I have a couple things that like were just really terrible situations that could have happened on that day. Yeah. Um, so the first one I saw was that the people of ancient Pompeii were super unlucky because on pretty much any other day, the wind would have blown the ash from Vesuvius away from them. But for some reason on the day of the eruption, the wind was blowing directly towards Pompeii, which like made the disaster even worse. so i thought that was interesting because again it's like one of those you know everything's like in the worst possible place it could possibly be Mm -hmm. um i wonder if that had to do too with why the boats were stuck like why they couldn't get out is that the winds were all screwed up yeah and that's what i'm thinking and i and i think too like as as much as i went on that like random personal story tangent about like pompeii being a port town formerly like yeah i think that that must have impacted the water like it it extended so far i think i read it was like six meters of ash and debris which basically made it disappear so when i talk about the rediscovery in a second like that's going to play a big role in it but um another thing i thought was very interesting and very timely 
was that um, a lot of bodies were found to be wearing makeshift masks because Ooh. researchers think that there were some initial survivors and mm-hmm. they realized that the like ash was choking them and poisoning them. And so they tried to fashion things to protect themselves. So this is your um, daily reminder to wear a mask. But okay? they still died, Casey. I know. Ugh, no, that's not the point. I'm edit, editing. Edit that it out. out. Edit it out. <laughs> Do it. I dare you. Um, so that's kind of some day of stuff. Um, but yeah. So there is a lot in terms of the rediscovery, and it actually starts pretty much immediately after the eruption i almost said explosion but the eruption that's probably the better term so titus was the roman emperor at the time and he basically hears about what's happening in pompeii and they're like yo we got to get a relief effort there and so he donated a lot of money um from the imperial treasury in order to help the victims of the volcano and they actually visited twice after the explosion or eruption um but there was no actual work completed on recovering it so after the town or city gets buried, um, survivors and thieves sort of come to salvage whatever they can, including valuables like marble statues and like other precious materials that they're able to pretty much dig out from the wreckage. Right. Um, which I thought it was interesting when you said that there was a lot of like um, more like wealthy privatized housing. Yeah. A lot of those places were raided as best as they could be right makes um makes sense i don't know if that's what i mean but yeah well they got in so i guess some of the town like the taller buildings weren't completely covered so they actually broke in from the ceiling oh okay um yeah which i thought was really dark and actually really cool yeah and archaeologists have actually found evidence of material raids based on graffitied words Mm-hmm. So graffiti is actually going to be a, a pretty common thing in Pompeii, which I think is pretty cool. And they actually found graffiti that said things like house dug. So I guess that pretty much means like we already looked here and we already took everything. So don't waste your time for other yeah. thieves. Okay. <laughs> Just trying to I help guess another that's nice. thieves out. Yeah, that's nice of them. Yeah, exactly. Um, but over time, the name and location were forgotten, and further eruptions between 471 and 473 covered the remains even more. So one of the things that I thought was interesting was because Pompeii had been a port city, when people start to like look for it or hear about it, they are looking near the coastline mm-hmm. um, because people couldn't have anticipated that there was actually that much damage and ash and rock put down to like create enough landmass that they'd be further and further away from the ocean right so basically it sort of just became this like mythical we think it happened but like we don't really know where or what evidence it's just sort of like and you said it too like plenty the younger had that one personal account and that's like pretty much it so right it wasn't like they had all of this research research to go off of to be like oh we can find it here like people just didn't know um, so the first time that any part of the town was uncovered was in 1592. So there was the architect Domenico Fontana, and he was digging an underground aqueduct for the town Torre Annunziata. And as he's digging this underground aqueduct, he runs into these ancient walls that are covered with all of these different inscriptions and paintings. But this was super weird. He keeps quiet about it. He, like, doesn't say anything. So I don't know 
if saying something would have like prevented his aqueduct from being built like i couldn't find any research on it but literally it was right. just like he basically stumbled upon numerous buildings and like foundations of this ancient city and then just like didn't do anything oh with it yeah he was like yeah forget it like so i don't know i thought that was kind of weird but also he probably was just like this is so much paperwork i don't want to deal with it you know what i mean like that yeah <laughs> a lot of red tape i gotta get through now so i'm just gonna pretend like i didn't see this ancient town that's been Th- gone for hundreds of years this is probably me like not knowing anything but i'm just like in fifth like they didn't know they probably were just like i don't know all these places have writing on the wall i don't know what pompeii or mount vesuvius is like which is totally fair and i honestly think too this was the time of the renaissance and like i think it was just a little bit more about like what can you leave your mark on and like yeah. to him aqueducts was the hill he wanted to die on and i kind of feel bad because i really feel like if he had just you know taken a chance yeah like he would have been the guy that like really discovered pompeii but right um so then it's not really stumbled upon for almost another uh 104 106 years later so in 1698 um they found an inscription mentioning the decurio pompeius or the town counselor of pompeii um, and I can't figure out if that inscription was like found on something like um, like a stone or what right. had been like an artifact that had been uncovered. But basically, they just assumed it as like <laughs> Pompey the Great, who was a Roman general and statesman. And his name was Pompey, but it was P-O-M-P-E-Y. Okay. So they see this Pompey like they see this thing called town counselor and they just assume that it's referring to the senator and general Pompey. Right. So they basically like don't really do anything with that either. Um, and then five years before that, a guy named Giuseppe Macrini had uh, excavated some walls and wrote that the town of Pompey le- lay beneath it, but like, again, didn't really do too much with it. So, yeah. So what's interesting is Herculaneum is actually what's rediscovered first. So in 1738, workers were building and digging for the foundation for the home of, oh my God, I'm so excited about this, the King of Naples, who was Charles of Bourbon. And I Ooh. automatically was like, Bourbon to Sicily's question mark, exclamation point. So I didn't do any further research. I probably should have, but no, it's fine. It's more fun this way. Yes. So Charles de Bourbon was basically really interested in these discoveries because like to him, it was like, oh, here's the greatness of Naples. And like, look at this. We have this like really pure and ancient history. So like he basically wants to continue the exploration and excavation of this because it's going to like bring his his location like all this like fame okay so on august 20th 1763 an inscription is found as they're excavating which read re publique pompeiorum pompeiorum and that basically translates to like the official public town of pompeii essentially okay so like a town sign Yes. And so the ruins were like, uh, like the, basically they were identified as being Pompeii. Okay. So it wasn't just like, oh, Pompeii the Great, the random statesman and Roman general. It was right. literally it was a place. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So the first scientific excavations begin pretty quickly after that. And they were directed by Carl Weber, who died in 1764 um, at like pretty much 
immediately after he begins this like exploration excavation uh and then he's replaced by the architect francisco la vega who was then succeeded by his brother pietro in 1804 so he look it looks like he ran the excavation for about like 40-ish years and then his brother took over and continued what um pietro was doing i'm sorry what francisco was doing about like i said 40 50 years later so the other thing i thought was interesting too was there was a lot of work done during the french occupation of naples in the like literally the last year of the 1700s into like early 1800s and they think at least 700 workers were used in these excavations because again this is sort of like the pride of naples and this is a time when people are starting to look back at their history but also make a lot of like scientific advancements and um, industrial advancements so there's a little bit more interest in like what I understand is like we have all of these tools and like this is very much the time of European superiority right and this is also the time of Napoleon oh him Yes, Napoleon. So he is very much interested in like, look at this land that we occupy and all of this cool shit that's there. I have a stupid question. Yeah. Is it called Naples because of Napoleon? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it was called Naples before that. Okay. Yeah, because whenever I teach about the Renaissance, it's the kingdom of Naples and or Napoli. And I don't think it has anything to do with Napoleon. So it just happens to sound similar. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I thought the same thing. And I, again, one of the things I probably could have done more research on and just chose not to, but yeah, I think it was already called Naples. Okay. But that's, but also Napoleon was like major douche and like he was all about well, yeah. like his name. So I feel like it definitely makes sense that he would even be more connected to this specifically. Yeah. This does say so, early 1806, Napoleon conquered the kingdom of Naples. Maybe he just wanted it because it sounded like it should be his. Oh, a hundred percent. I have right. no doubt in my mind. Yeah, that he was, was probably just like Naples. That's for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like this is like um like Hitler going after Stalingrad because he just wanted to like stick it to Stalin because it had yeah. his name on it. Like that level of douchery. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um. So under the French occupation and the excavation, the northern and southern areas of where they were excavating, they kind of like met in the middle. And so some of the western parts of the town and the Via della Abondanza were also exposed. So that was like a, I think it was the main street in Pompeii, which obviously it wasn't called Via della Abondanza when it was Pompeii, but that's what it was named by the Italians. Um, This is the first time that archaeologists have a basic idea on the size and scope of the town. Nice. So... From there, there's a lack of funding, and this is when shit doesn't go great for Napoleon for a while, and so it kind of gets put on hold, and so um, they actually don't make as much progress in terms of scope, but they actually make some major discoveries, including finding the houses of the Fawn, Menandro, the Tragic Poet, and the Surgeon. So all of these were basically like one of the oldest and most like all of these are basically the oldest and most famous houses in Pompeii Mm -hmm. and essentially like they're named for what was essentially found there so like the house of surgeon for example um you there were like a lot of surgical tools found there um the tragic poet was supposedly a writer based on like the artistic findings that were there so 
Yeah, and I'm 99% positive some of these houses you can visit. Again, I, I can't remember which ones I visited specifically. Yeah. Uh, but the discoveries were major, even though they weren't necessarily huge in scope. They were big because, like, this gave a really huge insight into what life was like in ancient Rome and Pompeii. So, in 1863, Giuseppe Fiorelli takes charge of the excavations, and he makes even greater progress when he figures out a way to recreate the forms of the disaster's victims. So, this is what Pompeii is, like, mostly known for. So, earlier on in the excavations, the ash layer that contained human remains had been discovered. But Fiorelli realized that there were spaces left by the decomposed bodies, and therefore it created he created this technique of injecting plaster into these spaces so from from what i understand in some of these cases the bodies were perfectly preserved on by the ash in other cases it was actually like the ash had surrounded their bodies but then the bodies inside had decomposed right and so what they did is they injected plaster into that space and filled up the the cast to basically so basically the cast is like hollow and then they solidified it with plaster because it was yeah so they wanted to make it um i guess what had happened was like they had probably opened up some of these and were like there's nothing left here and i mean again i don't know how well human like remains could be preserved i I don't know i don't know Especially with, like, ash. Like, how much was really, like, saved. And it's also been covered for literally hundreds, if not thousands of years. So, what's interesting is this process that he creates is still used today. But they actually use a clear resin because it's more durable. And it doesn't destroy if there are bones um, inside. Which allows archaeologists to, like, do more analysis. Yeah, so it's just, like, less destructive. Yes, exactly. Um, he also, Fiorelli also introduced different documentation and he divided the town into the current nine regi- regions or areas and they're called insulae or blocks. So the entrances of the different houses are numbered so that way they can, um, they give tours, but also it was like a way that they could just document the things that they were finding. Right. Like the person in house 12 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was an easier system to use for people who succeeded him. So like he basically was like, here's the system that we're going to be using to number everything. And when people continue to investigate this further, they'll know how to categorize things and yeah. um, work on exposing what would be the entire Western area of the town. So in a more modern sense, and I say modern being like 1920s, right. <laughs> in 1924, the archaeologist um, Armadeo Maori was brought into the project and he extended the uh, excavations to include even older parts of the city, meaning that he dug even further down than 79 AD in order to learn more about the settlement history of the town. So I always found archaeology to be crazy cool with this kind of stuff because like... yeah. I remember um, there's a church in Florence where I lived for a few months when I was studying abroad. And it was like you could actually go into the basement of the church and see the original church foundation that stood above the cathedral or that the cathedral stood on. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So there are ways to actually like show 
what older settlements existed. And actually, I think it's interesting when you said that there was like a fire before that, yeah. which makes me think that's probably part of what he discovered was that there was destruction mm. and then rebuilding of that. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So the 1950s were one of the last times that there was any like major or grand scale excavations. But the problem was that a lot of it was poorly documented and not well preserved, which apparently was going to be an issue for a lot of today's archaeologists because they're trying to fix the damage that was caused. Right. Um, Something I thought was really interesting and kind of sad was there was another eruption of Mount Vesuvius, I think in 1944, which had an impact on some of the areas of Pompeii. In addition to that, Pompeii um, was partially destroyed in some cases by the um, Italian and the American armies during World War II. So when the Allies land in Italy, where they land after they take Sicily, where they land actually destroyed some of the archaeological remains of Pompeii, which I thought was like kind of shitty. Yeah. I mean, I guess like, they were busy but yeah right they weren't like oh you know what we can't actually blow up here we gotta blow up around there (laughs) i guess at least no one lives there right like right yeah and the people who were living in the town surrounding pretty much already knew that the americans and i think the british were landing so yeah they were able to get out but Um, in 1980, there was a major earthquake, which caused a lot of destruction again. So the eighties and nineties work was mostly confined to just like the excavated areas and trying to reconstruct whatever they could from the damage of the earthquake. So this is just like not a place people should live. Right. Like everything I was reading, it was like, do not live here. This is not a safe place. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Nothing about this seemed appealing to me. Like at all. Um, so since then, um, the 90s and tw- like the 90s were 20 years ago which i can't fathom um no. there really hasn't been that much work on excavating but rather working towards like using the areas that have already been uncovered mm-hmm. um so one of the things i wanted to talk about too was some of the stuff that they uncovered yeah. because i think that that's really cool and gruesome and awesome so yes. the first thing is <laughs> This is what you were asking. This is what you were reading before. Okay. So there is a man that they uncovered who was fleeing Pompeii mid-eruption. And as he is fleeing, he was smashed to death by a massive falling rock. And he's basically (laughs) suffered one final humiliation. This is like the headline. So this man, this poor dude, became an internet meme sensation in 2018. The skeleton was actually basically called... The unlucky man. Of course. And he was unearthed in 2018 in Pompeii's archaeological dig site. And it appears that while he was attempting to flee, his head was crushed by a gigantic falling boulder. No. So I'm going to try to pull up a picture. So actually just, you know what? Go into Google and just Google unlucky man Pompeii and see what you come up And we will 100% post this on Instagram. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So it's a terrible way to die. But the internet never fails to make light of a really terrible situation because there were a lot of tweets after this was uncovered by Pompeii's archaeologists that basically said things like, quote, surviving the volcano only to get Looney Tunes to death. (laughs) 
<laughs> and quote, are we sure that rock is what killed him, though? Oh, my God. <laughs> and oh, I God. just thought, like, this poor dude. But this was also a situation where I was like, this man probably died immediately. So, like. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. And, like, maybe he was actually, like, not a good person. And he, like, abandoned his whole family to, like, save himself. And it was, like, you know. Yeah, maybe karma. he deserved it. Right. But we don't really know. So maybe he I was one of Pliny's like, friends who ran away from him. You know what? All right, that's what we're doing now. So yep. you heard it here first, folks. Again, <laughs> this is this is the truth he was that a we are going to person. He was a bad person. He was one of Pliny's friends running away. Yeah. Never abandoned Pliny the Elder. The younger is different though. Yep. Um <laughs> so the other thing which I when I visited I thought was really fascinating. So I actually did more research on this. And this is going to get a little depressing, so sorry about that. But As opposed to the rest of this, which has been very <laughs> cheerful. Again, I am a very dark person, oh, and I'm like, <laughs> hopefully, people listening, they're like expecting this kind of shit from us by now, right? So there were these things called lupanares. So lupanares were brothels. Okay, okay. so the Roman word for brothel was lapanar or wolf den because prostitutes were called lupas or she wolves. Okay, which I thought was badass, but then I kind of did more reading and I was like, oh shit, yeah, this is I actually don't really depressing. Right. Yeah. So brothels during this time were small. They had just a few rooms, but the Lupinare Grande was the largest uncovered um, brothel within uh, the entire city that they had uncovered. So they had about 10 rooms. So all of the Lupinares were pretty much plainly furnished. If you had like a concubine or a prostitute, you would typically um, would have her visit your house and then she might even have like her own kind of room and chambers okay so the women who worked in these establishments were not necessarily supposed to be like treated well okay so i actually found out that a lot of these women in the brothels were not there of their own accord and they actually were enslaved by the romans and it's yeah so it's clear that in some of the cases the women that the Romans conquered were basically like put into this, this home and like they were given a narrow bed to quote unquote conduct their business. And so, yeah, so I actually saw the Lupinari Grande when I was there. Okay. And one of the interesting things was the artwork that was in the Lupinari was like extremely erotic. I read and- too that they found like, in general just a bunch of erotic artwork in pompeii yes they were like these were horny little fuckers (laughs) yeah exactly and it's funny actually because an original estimate for the amount of um, brothels in pompeii was like 35 which is a crazy huge fucking number yeah for twenty thousand people well the only reason they called it that was because they were like excavating this shit in the 17 and 1800s when like everybody was like a prude and so like any place that included an erotic picture or anything was called a brothel oh so even if you had like i don't know a bunch of like stone dildos like in your home right it was like considered to be a brothel yeah yeah but like the little special back room of the blockbuster was a brothel right right, exactly exactly so basically it was (laughs) the blockbuster also did not turn out too great um (laughs) also a complete disaster so um there's actually somewhere between 20 and 30 i'm sorry 10 and 20 um brothels within the city um 
but the Lupinari Grande is most well known because of how well preserved the art is. Interesting. And so there's a couple theories, but for the most part, you can kind of just figure out the gist of it when you visit. So you would find erotic art like on the walls, obviously, to like get people like interested in business, but also the artwork would hang above different rooms and the rooms and the pictures would essentially be kind of like a, and this is the article's words, not mine, a quote unquote menu of sorts because not all of the people who came into the building were of the same background or spoke the same language Mm -hmm. because it was a port city. So you had a lot of people who were like just merchants there for the night and then they were going to get back on the ship. So you just pointed. Yes, exactly. And like, you didn't have to speak the same language. You're like, that's what I want. And then that's the room that you would go to for that. Um, In addition to that, it's also, it is, it is actually pretty smart. Um, And it was the same thing too, with people um, who were less experienced and people, I mean, men, because women weren't allowed to go into these establishments unless they were forced to work there. Women aren't experienced. They're slutty. That's different. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So they actually, these pictures acted as like a guide for less experienced young men who maybe came in and they were like i don't really know what to do but that looks good they'd be like okay like come on back here um so the other thing i thought was interesting too that's kind of related to this was the amount of dirty graffiti that was posted all along like the different walls um not just of the lupanares but also just of the city Mm -hmm. so um, it's super graphic, <laughs> lol. Um, and it includes things like specific services and prices. Um, it also includes like the client's appraisal of some women, and also like what their abilities are, or like if they have no abilities. And it's like, don't waste your money on. Oh, good. It's like Yelp. I don't know. It's like Yelp. Yes, exactly. But graffiti and for enslaved women as prostitutes, basically. Yes. So well, that's less some funny of it- than I went to make a note. Um for a google idea and i was gonna write yelp for hookers and then you made it sound real bad so i erased it oh oh, no i'm sorry (laughs) yelp for sex slaves isn't is funny it's not as funny (laughs) i'm sorry i just like totally crushed that well i mean you're you're right and valid it just i was literally writing it down when you said enslaved women and i was like backspace backspace (laughs) delete never mind nope um so i mean you could probably put something like this though like some of the graffiti was like instructions so like the one that they found in a cupboard translated to quote thrust slowly which i thought was interesting i mean and then there's others so um there was one that said euplea was here with 2000 beautiful men so basically euplea was actually the Greek word for fair voyage. So a lot of slaves were um, like given names of, well, because they were Greek a lot of the time, they were mm-hmm. given these names that like basically like Euplea is a fair voyage kind of thing. Like okay. she's like a beautiful woman that you can sleep with. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was, I don't know. I've always been weirdly interested in stuff like that. I think yeah. because sex is such a taboo topic for right. today. And, like, you think in, like, quote-unquote, the olden days, they were, like, weird about it, too. But in actuality, like, there was erotic art, like, everywhere. You would have, like, naked women in mosaics, and it was, like, not a big deal. Um, So, really, to kind of just finish off the last couple things is just, like, the focus on no longer excavating, but really conservation. Um, Mm -hmm. Because they're... 
There doesn't seem to be a lot of any like large scale plans for further excavations. And today the focus is more on reconstructing what they can, documenting anything new that they find, and most importantly, preserving everything they possibly can, which is rapidly decaying. So only about two thirds of the town slash city have been excavated. And even when I was there in 2012 and just from what I researched now, there really doesn't seem to be any type of like plans to excavate the rest of it. I think they've planned to sort of just leave it uncovered mm-hmm. um, out of respect for like, well, not everything can be like ours. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So the objects that were buried underneath Pompeii were well-preserved because obviously for 2000 years, there was no air or moisture and like basically no deterioration. But once Pompeii was exposed, it was subjected to more natural and man-made impacts like the right. fucking world wars, um, which have also quickened the deterioration. So erosion, light exposure, weathering, water damage, shitty excavation jobs and reconstruction jobs, the introduction of plants and animals, vandalism, tourism, and theft are all things that have damaged the site in some way, shape, or form. Um, so some buildings are more protective than others. So you can actually go, and I remember seeing some of them were like pretty much um, underneath like a shelter, like a shelter mm-hmm. had been built around structure because they were like areas of more importance for the town or just what tourists would be more interested in yeah um in 1996 the town was included under the world monuments watch by the world monuments fund which i did not know was a thing um and then again two years later in 1998 and then again in 2000 so basically the organization claimed that pompeii desperately needed repair and -hmm. they needed to pour more money into preserving and repairing it so something weird I found that was there was no like public support for that, but there were two things that stepped forward that supported the funding needs. One was the Samuel H. Crest Foundation, and I couldn't really find too much about that. The second was American Express, <laughs> the credit card. <laughs> so, sure. I guess if we try hard enough, American Express will, in fact, support your funding needs if it's like some type of you know, ancient archaeological site. American Express um, has done too much to support my funding needs already. I know. I know. I know. Me too. Um, there's also the Great Pompeii Project, which is a combination of the Italian government and the European Union, which basically put in an effort to further protect the area uh, by pouring money in and by making any violations of destroying those areas more... Um, I guess like punishable. Yeah. And some of the things that they also focused on were creating better drainage throughout the entire city because the poor drainage was causing a lot of destruction and like pooling, especially during the rain. So that's what that project was trying to resolve. And anything that I saw for today was basically like the funding is still directed into conservation. And, you know, I think it's really great that we have the ability to visit sites like these, but I also think it's really important that we remember that humans cause a stupid amount of damage to pretty much everything that we touch. Yep. So it's important to like, you know, find ways that if you're going to visit Pompeii, like, and you want to complain about the expensive ticket, well, you're causing a lot of damage by being there. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of like the knowledge comes with a price sort of thing. Right. So, and that's, uh, that's Pompeii up until right now. And I don't know what's happened in 2020, but <laughs> if 2020 uh, is going to continue on its trend, I can't imagine it's going to be a good year for Pompeii. Yes. Cause I'll so. note, I didn't go into this at the beginning, but Mount Vesuvius has not erupted since 1944. Mm-hmm. So it seems like, I don't know. It's probably time. 
It's been 66 years, right? So is that? No. No. It's been 70, 86. 76. 76 years. That's how much math I can do, friends. Yes. 76? Yeah, because. Yes, because plus six is 50. So then 56 plus 20 is 76. Oh, my God. Okay. Fine. (laughs) Fine. Whatever. And so between like 79 and 1944 erupted like 36 times. So I feel like we're due. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, there's still three and a half months left of this year. Right. <laughs> so, like, what else could happen, right? Exactly. I mean, I guess, again, I really no one lives there. Don't get, I know. But I really hope that we don't get, like, some type of notification on our phones. It's like, Pompeii, now in, like, ruins. Right. And we're like, shit, we did that. Yeah. We put that out now, there. If that happens, you can blame us. A hundred percent. In fact, please direct them to this podcast. Yes. Because um, that'd be pretty, pretty baller yeah that's a great way to go viral is we accidentally caused like the second pompeii right (laughs) and on that note folks (laughs) that's all we have for you today that's fine (laughs) all right well thanks for listening hopefully you learned some explosive new things (sighs) hopefully your brain is erupting with knowledge no no brains erupting that's bad Oh, yeah, wait, that is bad. I said that earlier on. Yeah, that would be bad. Oops. It's fine. Okay, bye. (laughs) We're done here. (laughs) Okay, bye before we actually cause another Pompeii. Yeah. (laughs) All right, bye. (laughs) Oh. Thank you for listening to What the History Podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at WTHistoryPod. You're also welcome to email us at whatthehistorypodcast at gmail.com with topic suggestions or questions. Please subscribe to the podcast so that upcoming episodes show up in your feed and we will talk to you soon.